Welcome back to our ACB Board of Directors meeting associated with the DC Leadership Conference. And I well hope everybody had a good break. And I got a special special uh, event here right before we go into the staff reports. Very quickly, I'd like to introduce Donna Brown to introduce our walk song for this year. So, Donna, could you say a few words about the ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk and our walk song? Well, I certainly can. The ACB walk theme for 2022 is walking everywhere kind of goes along with the get up and get moving campaign and actually people that participate in the walk are going to be from everywhere since they'll be virtual and in person and so once again my former colleague josh haza has written a song to uh kick off the walk so larry i guess if you can play that that'd be great ACP walk, yes you know it's going to be, it's going to be in person and virtual too. It's a hybrid, you can be there either way for the ACP convention 22. ACP walk, ACP walk, yes you know it's going to be, it's going to be a hybrid, it's all up to you. You can be there, you can be there, or do it virtually for the ACP convention 22. There wow. you go. 2022 <laughs> walk song. All right. I love it. And now uh, if, uh, uh, I know Eric and them were tapping along to the music. I can <laughs> we hear were, I they were dancing. Sure we were. Awesome. <laughs> so I will, uh, You're singing along. Yeah. yeah so I'll, I'll turn it over uh, to Eric Bridges, uh, ACB Executive Director for the staff report, item number 10. So, Eric. All right. Well, thank you, Dan. A lot of the first quarter of this year has been spent, uh, frankly, just uh, working with people and people leaving and people coming. Uh, some we had been planning to uh, to recruit and hire. Others uh, have uh, elected to leave the organization, and we wish them well. So just a lot of people business. Uh, it is the month of March, and... Given, I think, our the historical nature of our budget and when we approve uh, to hire folks, the month of March has become a very important month for work anniversaries. And I thought maybe uh, we'd just take a minute to recognize individuals uh, that work for ACB that have work anniversaries during this month, because there are a few. Uh, four years ago, in the month of March, we hired Nancy Christine, also known as Nancy Fila, Seven years ago, we hired this new mom, Kelly Gask, which, by the way, she and her her baby are doing great. Uh, They named her Juniper Faye when she was born on Monday morning. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah. Last year, we hired the individual sitting across the table from me, Swathananda Kumar. We also welcomed Jolyn Bailey Page as a full-time employee last year in the month of March. Two years ago, we hired Tony Stevens literally two weeks before the world stopped <laughs> to be our development director. So uh, a number of March anniversaries and uh, wanted to just recognize all of, all of those who are part of this crew that have been with us for a while. As I said, uh, this first quarter of 2022 has been one of, of, of change and, and transition, and it's required some flexibility of, of staff. Uh, in uh, February, uh, Erica Keller announced that she would be leaving after about a year and a half service with the organization. And uh, we, we uh, wish her well as she goes to, to work at the University of Minnesota. Um, and also, uh, in, in February, late February, uh, Jennifer Flatt announced that she would be departing for another opportunity. So, uh, we have been transitioning in those roles. Uh, Nancy Becker has taken on uh, additional responsibilities while Erica uh, was, was gone, uh, and also relying up uh, on Nancy Christine and, and Lane Waters. Uh, in addition, now uh, that Jennifer is not there and, and Kelly is on maternity leave for another six weeks or so, uh, Tony and, and his team uh, have been transitioning work and people like Sharon Levering and uh, Jolyn Bailey Page and uh, couple of new hires, uh, Rick Morin and Larry Gassman have taken on some responsibilities. So, so folks left, but we've also hired people. And I'm very pleased today to welcome uh, four new folks that have started since the beginning of this year and would just uh, invite them if they want to, just to take a minute to introduce themselves. Uh, the first one is our administrative assistant here in Alexandria, Caitlin Herrera. We brought Caitlin on in January. And Caitlin, uh, if you wouldn't mind just taking a minute to uh, tell folks a little bit about what you're doing when you're not in the office. Sure, Eric, no problem. Uh, thanks for the introduction. Again, my name is Caitlin Herrera, and I am working part-time for ACB because I am also earning my Master's of Social Work from the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. So that is what I am doing with all of my other time. Uh, for the most part, when I am not in the office. But I have really enjoyed my time at ACB so far. Looking forward to uh, continuing to work with you all. I recognize a lot of your names. And if I haven't spoken with you yet, I'm sure I will eventually. So, but you are have been so welcoming. And I'm just really happy to be here. Awesome. It's been great having you on the team, Caitlin. And uh, it's been, frankly, a, a huge help. So, all right. 
why don't we move into development and communications. Um, we were very pleased to be able to uh, recruit and hire uh, Rick Morin as ACB's media and IT manager. Uh, and he started March 1, so he'll be another one of those March anniversaries next year. Um, I've got a text saying that due to, due to some configurations that Rick has set up on his computer for the next four days of meetings, he may not be able to speak um, during this, um, but wanted to make sure uh, to, to welcome him uh, in this more formal capacity. He's been, frankly, streaming these board meetings for the last couple of years. Uh, also, uh, a new addition to the to the ACB media team in a contractor role is uh, Larry Gassman, and uh, welcome, Larry. Thank you, Eric. It's interesting. Yeah. I, I I didn't know when I retired from Marriott, which I, and I worked for Marriott for twenty one years in a support role. I had no clue that the retirement would last just two years. But I've been in so in, so much involved in all the things that ACB Radio and now ACB Media has done with streaming, editing, etc., uh, that I had questions, had comments, made some comments, and said, we could do this, maybe even better. How about doing this? And finally, they said, put up or shut up, and said, said hey, if you're so interested, why don't you apply for the job? And I really had to think about it, because I enjoyed retirement. But I'm glad I did, and I'm glad I got the job, and I've jumped in, and I enjoy what I'm doing. I have a passion for radio, have a passion to make people succeed, and, and that's kind of why I'm here. Awesome. Well, it's, it's great to have you on the team and, uh, you know, to have you in this uh, more formal role. So, Minneapolis office. <clears throat> we have... Uh, Erica Keller, who has has departed as of uh, a couple weeks ago, and it's uh, my pleasure to to welcome in her first week on board at, at ACB, Julie Fisher. Welcome, Julie. Thank you. Uh, it, I am from the Minneapolis area, so I have a really nice commute here. Um, please be patient <laughs> with me. I'm learning, but I've got a great teacher here with Nancy. I am looking forward to working with you all. Awesome. Likewise. Thank you. Yes. And in addition to Julie, we are almost ready. Uh, likely next week, we will be ready to announce the hiring of uh, general manager for our thrift stores. So the recruitment has gone well there. And uh, we're just waiting to iron out the last little bit of uh, paperwork before that can be uh, publicly announced. So uh, that has taken up uh, quite a bit of time uh, this first quarter. Uh, in addition to all of this hiring and uh, recruiting, uh, we've also put into the into the board folder. A, uh, an organizational chart for ACB, and um, I think it. There was a time when we weren't necessarily big enough to to, to warrant uh, an organizational chart, uh, but we now have 
departments, uh, the Department of Development and Communications, the Department of Membership Services, the Department of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, the Department of Finance and Administration. And uh, folks are working uh, in these departments. Um, we've obviously adopted EOS. Um, we have many of our meetings are, are L10 structured meetings. Um, and, you know, as we bring on new people, uh, orienting them into uh, the EOS structure as well as specifically the L10 meeting structure is something that will be uh, very important for us to, to be able to continue uh, the evolution of, of the staff and the amount of work that, that we can achieve. So, in addition to that, we're coming up on the end of the first quarter at the end of the month here, and I will be holding uh, a quarterly check-in with my direct reports as they will be holding quarterly reports with their folks uh, to check in on how, uh, how, how it's going with uh, their individual rocks and uh, what, what needs to happen. The, the, the really nice thing about EOS is that you don't wait six months or a year you're checking in every quarter because the rocks are a quarter a piece. And so even though you may have a, a rock that takes a whole year, you're checking in every quarter. It's part of uh, the performance management uh, tool that goes alongside EOS. So it's been great. And I guess the, the last thing that I will uh, talk a little bit about is our advisory board. Uh, our advisory board has been active the last couple of years in assisting the organization uh, with a, a number of different projects. Many of you have gotten to know one or maybe two of our advisory board members because of specific projects that they've been assisting in. And uh, this weekend, as part of the, the president's meeting, as well as the legislative seminar, we're going to introduce all seven of them. I've, I've done individual interviews with each of the seven that will be shown throughout uh, the president's meeting and the, uh, the legislative seminar. And, it, and it's our hope that you all and the broader audience will get to know a little bit more about them, uh, what they do in their nine to five day job, how they came to the ACB advisory board and the sorts of projects that they've been assisting us with. Um, so, you know, these are individuals like Bill Reeder, who, uh, you know, is, has a, a rich history in, in development, um, who has spoken to the board uh, a couple of years ago, as well as uh, a, a breakout panel last year at the president's meeting. Individuals like Matt Hanley who has been working with ACB for the better part of a decade on legal advocacy issues and has presented at the legislative seminar several times and will be again uh, this year. Charles Cooper, who has been a, a staple of our legislative seminar providing sort of his thoughts as a, as a, as a lobbyist on really the, you know, the climate in Washington and, and what will and won't be able to take place from a legislative standpoint, and he'll be he'll be with us again uh, on was it Tuesday, Clark? Yes, yeah. both of them on Tuesday. Yeah, both of them on Tuesday. Uh, 
Matt Ader, who's a, a senior leader in Vespero, who many folks know him through the years. He's been very visible. Aaron Patera, who's the CEO of a management consulting firm in Arlington, Virginia, who has worked with us on several different projects pertaining to ACB Radio a couple years ago, the Get Up and Get Moving campaign, as well as IT and some infrastructure future thinking about what we do with information technology as an organization as we, as we evolve and grow. Um, Lee Nasihi, who has spoken to this board as of last October during the board workshop where we, we talked about EOS as well as our, our one, three, and five-year strategic plans. Uh, she's been uh, invaluable to have as a as a an advisory board member, but also as somebody that's helped us implement EOS in the organization. So these are oh, and then finally the last one, Brett Humphrey, who works for Microsoft. Over the last year, has really helped us delve into uh, the data component of the organization. Uh, the collection of it, the analysis of it, and really the understanding of, of it from a membership as well as uh, a donor standpoint. So all these folks will be profiled throughout the course of the weekend and Monday and Tuesday. And um, I'm really thankful for the work that, they, that they've agreed to do. A few of them have actually done quite a lot of work with us over the last couple of years. And again, this advisory board, obviously, they're there to, to advise, assist, and guide. That's, that's really what they're there for. At the end of the day, it's, it's up to us as a, as a team and as the leadership to heed the advice or to, or to not. And um, the one really cool thing that I think you'll agree with, Dan, is they're all completely bought in on ACB, and they just want to help. So... The passion and the commitment has just been spectacular to observe over the last two years. They, they're, they're, they're asking to do more, which is, you know, you, you know, you've really cultivated a relationship when, when they're really bought that bought into our ECB mission. It's, it's very, very exciting. And they're such a great that, group of people. Yeah. They're fun to be around. They laugh and joke, and they have very good spirits. So, yeah. They do. It's a, it's a fun group. It really is. And I think when we get to be meet more and more in person, I, I think it will even further develop those relationships. So, yeah. Well, Eric, I think the best thing would be for you to just kind of introduce your staff and, and – uh, let them give their updates, um, you know, to kind of uh, just highlight the key points that, that were in their consent agenda reports. That would be fantastic. Sure. All right. Let me uh, recognize Clark Rackfall. All right. Thank you, Eric. And I guess I'll, I'll begin with uh, seeing if there are any questions from the Advocacy and Governmental Affairs Board report. Uh, that was supplied to everyone. Hearing none, um, just a, a couple items to highlight. Uh, so our advocacy around COVID accessibility, 
with uh, particular emphasis on the accessibility of at-home testing continues. So ACB President Dan Spoon sent a letter to the, the White House directed to the Director of Disability Policy on January 21st. We sent a subsequent letter after learning that the White House was tasking NIH, National Institutes of Health, um, with researching accessible at-home testing. And that letter was sent on January 31st. Um, we have received a response to that letter and the NIH is scheduling a, a listening session, which Dan has been invited to uh, for March 24th. Um, so advocacy in, in this regard will be ongoing and I'll have more to add on, add on that topic um, later on in the executive session. Uh, now I'd like to turn to our advocacy and outreach specialist, Swatha Nandakumar, to touch on an item that has really been a, a, a big focus for ACB, certainly here at the beginning of 2022, uh, but also the, the second half of 2021. Swatha. Yeah, so web accessibility and digital inclusion, um, which we're working on with and conduct in conjunction with the American Punch for the Blind, National Foundation for the Blind, and National Disability Rights Network, Disability Rights Network. Um, so we're, um, we're doing a two-pronged approach. Um, the one, one is going to be um, legal, let's leave advocacy, and other one is um, advocacy aimed towards the Department of Justice and the uh, like administration. Um, so first one, we like working on a um, a bill with Senator Duckworth's Senator Duckworth's office, um, and on on the on recommendation from, from her staff. From her staff, we um, are working with members of. Members other members of the Smith community, so the deaf community and the physical disability community, um, to draw up the port and to um, kind of get a unified approach to the legislation. Um, the other approach we're taking is with the justice and um, the administration. So um, this, this approach we Committed or sent a letter to the Department of Justice um, General, Attorney General Ray Clark. Uh, yes, okay. Assistant Attorney General Christine Clark. Yes, um, and um, we we sent it out to the community, and we have one hundred eighty over hundred eighty. Um, we we just signed on to it letter um, asking her asking the DOJ to promulgate enforceable standards for accessibility and for online access. Yeah, thank you, Swatha. And of those more than 100 organizations that signed on, uh, big kudos to ACB. We had over 30 affiliates sign on to those letters as well. Um, and the, the main punchline of the letters to, or the letter to the Department of Justice was to promulgate uh, accessibility standards for 
websites, applications, and the online environment uh, and to complete them in the current administration. So we don't have what happened you know, 10 years ago um, where the depending regulations get pulled. Um, and Dan, I'll, I'll turn it to you here in a second, but I'll also add that uh, Dan Spoon and I attended a a national blindness uh, policy collaborative meeting posted by NFB in mid-February. Uh, posted by NFB, uh, really moderated and led by our advisory board member and the president and CEO of VisionServe Alliance, Lee Nasahi. But nine national blindness organizations were in attendance. Um, the, a portion of the conversation focused on areas of collaboration when it comes to public policy. And everyone agreed that this issue touches on the work that all of our organizations do, whether it's APH in the education space, uh, NIB in the employment space, uh, even uh, prevent blindness in the healthcare space. Um, accessible technology and access to websites and applications is, is critical and impacts um, the lives of all of our uh, constituents. So, Dan, anything you'd like to add about that, that event? Well, I just thought it was, um, one, it's always good to see the, the field of blindness kind of come together uh, for a collaborative effort, and it was good to see um, you know, so many organizations represented. Um, I'll highlight one part because I think this kind of stands out is several times during the um, the meeting, it was pointed out that uh, ACB and NFB are working collaboratively on an effort, whether it be digital accessibility or whether it be uh, accessible, durable uh, metal, medical equipment in the healthcare space. And um, it, people were kind of like, oh, well, you know, the world will freeze over if ACB and NFB are working together, blah, 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 blah. And about the third time somebody kind of made a snarky comment in that area, uh, Mark Riccobono stepped up and said, you know, we, we need to stop this, that you know, working collaboratively is is something that we are working very hard and trying very hard to do. And you all are continuing to perpetuate a myth that we can't work together and it's counterproductive. And I seconded that thought and opinion. And so I, I you know, no one knows where the world will, will be tomorrow. But it is really encouraging to see NFB, ACB, AFB, different of our partners, all kind of working together collectively. And as Swatha was pointing out earlier, when we work together, like with Senator Duckworth's office on, uh, you know, accessibility standards for digital um, content, it makes a difference. That one united voice allows a lot more traction. And so, um, at least for me, I took that away as a, a, a good outcome from the, uh, from the public discourse. 
And it's not just a one and done. We are going to get together. We're already scheduling several follow-up meetings uh, here over the remainder of the year to continue the discussion. And uh, Clark, I think you have the opportunity, you know, a couple, three times a week to be working with John Perret on different issues impacting our community. So I want to compliment Clark and Swatha on all their efforts, and uh, it's truly making a difference. Great. Thank you, Dan. And uh, I guess one more call for questions. Otherwise, I'll turn it back to Eric. Oh. Uh, yes, Mr. President. Yeah, go ahead, Ray. Yep. Um, I am. Um, I'm really pleased to hear that Mark stepped up the way he did, too. Um, I know personally, uh, and Clark has bared witness to this, too, uh, here in Illinois, um, that we are having a very good collaborative relationship with NFB of Illinois on our efforts around accessible vote by mail. And so um, I'm really glad to hear that um, uh, here it come from Mark to say, hey, we need to work together and we need to stop this myth that we can't work together. So that's been something that I have, um, you know, wanted to see for a long time. And uh, I'm really pleased that we're kind of, we'll never forget the Civil War probably, but at the same time, uh, we need to move on and uh, move forward. And as you said, it, it, it gets results. So uh, just was really glad to hear him step up in that manner. So thanks. Sure. Uh, any other questions or comment from the board for Clark and Swata? All right. Well, thank you, Clark. Thank you, Swatha. Again, thanks for the report. Thank you for your updates. And I'll turn it back to Eric. Sure. And I'll uh, hand it off to the Director of uh, Development and Communications, Tony Stevens. Hi. Thanks, Eric. And good afternoon and good morning to some still uh, today. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to have a chance to, to share with you all. I'll start off like Clark did. You know, I circulated a report. Uh, the, the main juxtaposition was, in a sense, the growth of our Department of Communications and Development over the past year. It was something that didn't really exist over a year ago. And uh, we obviously have, you know, a number of constraints, as Eric mentioned. Uh, you know, so I'll first start off with anybody has any questions, and then I'll move into some brief remarks uh, stemming off of that report. All right, hearing no questions as of the moment, feel free to please interrupt if any do come up. Uh, you know, there's been a lot going on, <clears throat> and it's it's beginning to bear the fruit, I think, of a lot of strategic planning, a lot of work by many of you who are members of the board on the Development Steering Committee, the Public Awareness Committee, uh, Jeff Bishop with the ACB Radio that is now ACB Media. I have the opportunity to put together a video that's a year in review, and, you know, it was this time last year that we were we were talking about this, what, what could this ACB Media be? What is this going to happen with ACB Radio? And I think it's fair to say, and Larry and Rick would probably back this up, that it, it is it is something of, of great substance now. And uh, Cindy with the community as well, I think would agree that it is it is truly a very much advanced and sophisticated communications platform that's a real network. And we should be proud of that. We, we reach six continents around the world. I haven't found anybody yet in Antarctica, but I'm sure we can try to find somebody down there that will listen to us. But it is. It has been a powerful presence. Our communications in general has had a significant amount of growth over the past year. There's a document that was included with the board report uh, that, that mirrors some of that growth. I would encourage folks to take a look at that. 
Um, while Jennifer was only with us for 10 months, right, uh, she did an outstanding job of really putting into implementation our communications plan that was done in 2020. And we started to implement about, about the same time last year that Cave and Demio put together and worked with Kelly and myself closely on uh, to help get that launched. Um, Jennifer's gone. Kelly's on leave. We have been busy. We've been very, very busy getting ready for this conference. I appreciate everybody's patience uh, that have had requests and things going in queues across our communications platform, but I would be remiss to not take a moment and just thank our communications team. I have an amazing group of people. Um, you know, not all are with us now, but the four that I got right now are rock stars. So I want to say thanks to Sharon, thanks to JoLynn, thanks to Rick, and thanks to Larry. And thanks to Eric and to all of you, the board and Dan, for really sort of giving us the keys to drive the messaging and narrative of this organization, because it has made a substantial impact on a, on, a, on a very much a large scale. We look at our AD Awards Gala, we look at the metrics, we look at how uh, I had a major, major news publication just reach out to me the other day. And, uh, you know, our, our email inboxes and phones, um, people want to want to hear from us as influencers in the, in the community of people who are blind and visually impaired around the country. So but that wouldn't come without the, the many, many hours and, and after hours of, of the entire communications development team. So I just want to take a moment to thank them as well for all their hard work uh, before the board. So um, does anybody have any questions per se? Uh, we'll hear from Bill Reeder tomorrow. We're doing some great work in engaging with him on really sort of major donor engagement, uh, working with Gene uh, and the MMS folks uh, and Michael Garrett. We'll be doing some focus groups and, and donor research in terms of our development. We've got a couple of big foundations that are uh, potentially coming on board, which is exciting. We've had some good calls. Eric and I have corporate partners where nothing signed in the deal, uh, but one is a national, a global iconic brand um, around the Get Up and Get Moving campaign. Those campaigns uh, continue to move forward. Uh, we'll believe Dan, I think, make an announcement tomorrow uh, for the Audio Awards, Audio Description Awards Gala for 2022. And just a lot going on. So happy to entertain any questions. Uh, thank you, Tony. Before I open it up for questions, I know throughout the weekend, uh, we are going to really highlight the Get Up and Get Moving campaign and the work they're doing in a multiple to, multitude of areas. But besides corporate partners and relationships, uh, also, uh, you and Clark on the advocacy standpoint, and then our member and affiliate engagement. Uh, maybe Connie could say a word or two about, uh, I think, a very exciting panel uh, on uh, Sunday where we'll uh, you know talk about and, and learn about some of our members who have really embraced the Get Up and Get Moving campaign and, and the changes that it's had in their in their lives, and then. I think Clark has a panel associated with Get Up and Get Moving uh, on, on Monday or Tuesday, really focused on the advocacy efforts, which are, you know, really uh, health and, and wellness is tied to two of our key legislative imperatives this year. So it's really exciting for me to see the integration across uh, development, uh, membership engagement, as well as advocacy, uh, all tied to uh, a campaign again, something that we didn't really do until a year or so ago with with Tony and team's help to really put uh, something together like a get up and get moving campaign with with three years of really uh, you know moving the organization forward and uh, thanks to Tom Tobin who's the chair of that committee 
and the <clears throat> members that have been very involved in it. But uh, Tony or Connie, I didn't know if you wanted to share a little in that area. I know Connie has had a, a, a lead role as well, but it's it's exciting uh, to see it roll out here over the next few days and what's already been accomplished over the first year. Yeah, this is it's Connie. Um, yeah, thank you, uh, Dan. It's it's exciting. Um, we got two panels, one for the presidents, and then Clark with um, with the legislative. But the the one for the presidents is really focused for um, members, our affiliates, local level, and how we can really get engaged, um, encourage each other. We all have stories, and. Um, I got three panelists that I'll be with, and they have awesome stories. Their backgrounds are awesome. Um, what one has been doing to encourage um, their affiliate and how the affiliate has really gotten involved. And that's what we want to do is we want to really encourage from the local level. From you know, when, we, when we do our presentations, we talk about, you know, Leslie teaching the classes. So that's kind of individual, one-on-one. Um, so a lot of times I talk about the affiliate state level and then when, you know, Marilyn, Tony talked about the national level, but so, but you have to start locally on, uh, individually affiliates. So each affiliate, each chapter, each region has different, um, things or needs. So, um, like I can't go out and just really work out in this, in the wintertime, you know, it's been below zero here most of the winter, um. But down in, in Florida, you know, I could be doing something outside all the time. So I, my, my activities in the winter might be different than what it, they are in the summertime. But so it's, it's fun to see how people have changed even through um, since 2020 and how some of the people's activities have changed and how they really have come up with new ideas and, and really encourage each other. So it's, I think it's going to be really inspirational to hear these stories and their challenges of what they've done and their goals. And that's kind of what we are looking for is we want testimonials. And these are three awesome testimonials that people will hear. Great. Tony? Just to add to, yeah, just to add to Connie as well. I mean, going beyond the conference after this weekend and next week, um, I wanted to thank the resource development committee folks that Dan Dillon is, 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 you know, Works help to lead. Dan is a member of the Get Up and Get Moving campaign, helping out with our public uh, stakeholder engagement. Um, but also, too, a number of folks that are involved with this group, um, like Do- the, that are part of the Resource Development Committee, like Donna, um, Leslie with the auction, Carla with the mini mall. Um, everyone has been doing wonderful buy-in for the campaign, and we really appreciate that we have taken on this advocacy effort. And a lot of these, you know, more traditional committees within ACB. Um, along with some of our affiliates as well, like Diabetics in Action, uh, the Information Access Committee, um, you know, are, are talking about ways that, that we can have the narrative of taking back our health, which is what the campaign is all about, um, and, and having that narrative weave itself throughout the organization so that it really helps uh, create a solid foundation of organic growth. And so we're real fortunate for that. So thanks to everybody uh, on the board that is engaged with any of those committees and those that are listening as well on ICP Media that are members of those committees and, and various arms of ACB to help to help amplify our message. So we're deeply thankful for that. I just, I would like to add to, that's a good point, Tony. Um, you know, reach out to us because we'd be happy to, we'd love to talk to any of the affiliates 
um, during their conventions or during any of their meetings. But, you know, even on the advocacy side, it takes, um, just as, you know, Clark and Swather were talking earlier, you know, we all have to work together. So it starts um, with one affiliate or one committee working with another committee. So if we want to get the advocacy part going with the doable medical or the exercise, a couple of our imperatives, we have to work together as members. Um, and otherwise, it's not going to happen because if we don't do it all together and um, talk about our stories, that's the big thing is that's what sells is the advocacy to the legislators is our stories, our personal stories. And so if we work together as a committee, um, like Tony said, the, the diabetes, um, you know, we're doing stuff with the next gen, you know, we're doing, you know, the be a BPI, you know, there's a lot of them. And we're here. That's what we want to do is we want to work together and um, get the word out. So that's kind of our mission. Thank you. Any other questions for comments for Tony related yes, to David. yes, David. Uh, just want to emphasize too the uh, walk across the bridge this summer if we're able to go to Omaha between Nebraska and and Iowa. Uh, that's going to be a great opportunity for the get up and get moving campaign. But also, I don't want us to miss out and, and try to get as much media there as we can. Uh, it'll, it'll be something different that's not out there every day. So it could be a good human interest story uh, and be beneficial to the campaign. So just wanted to throw that out there for you to have on your radar for this summer. Thank you, David. Yeah, another good example where we're kind of coordinating with tours and with the National Park Service and all these entities to kind of highlight the Get Up and Get Moving campaign and the difference it can make for our community. Very good point, David. Other other questions or comments for, for Tony? All right. Well, Tony, thank you uh, so much for your report, and uh, we appreciate it. And, uh, Tony, uh, flexibility, right? I mean, you are uh, living one of our core values every day, sir. So we appreciate your efforts during the uh, the time where we're uh, Kelly's on maternity leave and we're finding replacement for Jennifer. So thank you, sir. And I have to just give a special shout out to Sharon uh, Lovering, who, you know, working with her to get the agendas together for the D.C. Leadership Conference and other activities. Sharon, you're just a special, special lady and human being. And thank you so much. I don't think we thank Sharon enough. She's quiet, but she's awesome. So thanks, Sharon. Agreed. <laughs> you're here <laughs> very good all right uh, next we're going to hear uh from us uh, well get back to eric what am i doing go ahead Hi. eric yeah. yeah and i will i will hand it off to our manager of membership membership engagement cindy hollis all right thank you so much and i too created a report for all of you and would first ask if there are any questions specifically around that report. And hearing nothing, <laughs> I, I will highlight just a few things. Uh, I, I feel that uh, it should be noted that we held a very successful community a thon, our second annual community a thon at 
on New Year's Eve, went from 3 a.m. to 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. Many of us were there that entire 12 hours. Um, and it was not only moving, uh, and people just shared and it was, it was, that was, it was amazing. The entertainment we had, uh, I would say out of the 16 entertainment pieces, over a third of those that entertained us were under the age of 35. Um, so, you know, a lot of times I hear from people saying, how do we bring in new members? The community is bringing in not only new members, but younger members. And uh, so I uh, just thought I would mention that. Uh, we also started, uh, Dan, you mentioned that we have over 150 trained hosts, and that's true. Since October 2020, we have trained well over 150 hosts. However, many of them have chosen not to be active hosts either ever or not in quite a long time and this became concerning as things continue to evolve and change in our community and how we handle situations as we've gotten bigger and um, different things come up and so the uh, hosting guidelines evolve and uh, I found it pretty important that we bring people up to snuff and that we have a way to uh, make sure, to ensure that our hosts are current um, so they didn't only just go through the training, but that they stay current uh, in, in knowing what is needed of them. And so we have uh, now started implementing a required hosting check-in quarterly. Uh, this is provided monthly. We just ask for a host to attend at least one of three uh, check-ins each quarter to maintain their hosting status through the following quarter. And I can tell you that 99 hosts took part in this first quarter, which I think is pretty amazing. And many of them attended every check-in, which just to me is pretty heartwarming. And it shows you their commitment and desire to do well and for this community. And uh, Colby held the first quarterly check-in for uh for event planners and facilitators, again, well-received. We had over, I think it was right near 50 people attend that event, our host check-ins. The lowest turnout was 47. Uh, so really good turnouts for these offerings. And the uh, event planners will do that once a quarter. Uh, the others will be offered every month, but the required is for them to attend once a quarter. And um, and anybody that falls off that active status can be put right back on if they just attend the the uh, a check in. So um, anyway, that so far has gone well. And you know, I think the only other thing I just want to mention is that uh, Colby was hired eleven months ago, and she is. Uh, taking on more responsibility and uh, is 
is really uh, become the contact person for all things events. And so her role is to handle the schedule and communication with all event planners. And uh, my role with community is to oversee our volunteers who work as hosts and other supportive roles in the community. And um, so that's how we've divvied things out. We have just some great uh, team team players around that. I also just wanted to mention um, that it is proven uh, as special interest affiliates who are active in the community can attest to the value of being as part of the community and how it has supported their desire to grow their membership. And we also have some state affiliates that have dabbled in the community and I think would speak well of those efforts. So that is always open to anyone to bring events to the community. And I think that's, uh, there's probably something I was also supposed to mention, but I think that's where I'll stop and uh, remind you just that we are kind of in flux right now with uh, the certification process underway. Um, March 15th is the deadline for, uh, I think it's March 15th, <laughs> the deadline for um, membership in the AMS, uh, AMMS to get uh, affiliates to get their members in. And so uh, we won't have really good numbers for you around membership until soon after uh, that certification process has been completed. So uh, that's it, Dan. Yeah, uh, Cindy, uh, and I'll open it up to the board, but a couple of things that um, if, if you wouldn't mind highlighting, I, I know you had multiple conversations and you're working with kind of this concept of regional affiliates. In other words, for some of the smaller states, can you pull multiple of them together in a you know contiguous geographic area to mm-hmm. kind of get some synergies around ACB? Sure. And I think but the first group you're working with is uh, so we're in still, the Northwest, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we're we're exploring ideas with others, but right now the one I can speak to is Wyoming, and we are really working to see. Um, you know, we have Idaho, we have Montana, we had an affiliate in Montana. Uh, they have uh, decided to discontinue as an affiliate uh, because of. Really, they just never knew how to push the needle forward with building their leadership and people get tired. And so uh, we've not had a presence in Idaho, I don't know, for quite a long time. And so here we have Wyoming. It is uh, We have an, a president there who has been very active in our hump day happy hours, desires to grow their affiliate and now working with them on creating a uh, some regional activities that would touch Idaho and Montana as well as Wyoming. And so that is forthcoming very soon and uh, looking at and just engaging in conversation with some other presidents, not ready to really speak to that at this time, but uh, certainly looking for and would welcome any presidents to reach out to me if they um, think that 
they might be a, a great candidate for us trying to work with them. So if you have an affiliate that has, say, under 50 members and you are struggling, I, I mean, I, I think that that is one, uh, one uh, ingredient, not the only, certainly. Um, but we have a lot of our state affiliates that are small and, you know, could we combine resources? How important is it really to have the name of an organization in a state or to say we have a presence in every state? And, you know, COVID has taught us that we, we can do things without being physically in the same location. And it has also taught us that we need to be open to new ideas. And so I think that that is uh, what a regional concept is all about and leveraging the resources that we do have. And it makes, to me, it makes enormous sense to pull resources we have and build on those rather than to try and create something in a location that really has minimal resources and expect them to thrive um, and, and more than survive, but really thrive. So. so this regional concept, it will be very interesting as we, we try a pilot project yeah. and see how yeah. it rolls out. I think we'd love to hear feedback from the board and all as, as we move along. Uh, one other item, and then I'll open it up for the board for questions, and that is very excited tomorrow during the president's meeting that we're going to have as one of, as our first breakout panel, which will be broadcast on ACB Media 6, uh, is really taking a look at membership. And uh, it's going to be uh, led uh, by Brett Humphrey, one of our advisory board members, to kind of uh, Brett has spent a lot of time working with us over the last year on yes. really analyzing our membership data and even beyond that yes. to get us to think of things greater than just membership, but the term that, that we're now using is connections that yes. says we, we touch a lot of people that may not be ACB members. And how do we kind of think about increasing or widening that pool? And is there a different way for us to different ways for us to think of membership than the classic way we do today, which is somebody becomes a member of a chapter and then becomes a member of a state or special interest affiliate and then becomes a member of ACB. So, you know, not that that's not, not a bad model, but it may not be the only model of, of how to collect members as we move forward in the 21st century. So, um, Anyway, I think that will be an exciting panel and encourage people to participate in that tomorrow. Yeah. And we're really going to, Brett is going to lead that and ask some um, questions to encourage thought and also response. Uh, we will start off with providing just some factual stuff as we know it. Uh, and then really, we want to kind of kind of clear the slate a little bit and think bigger than us. And I think that's what Brett has done for us. Uh, I was talking to Eric and I said, you know, the good thing, what Brett has really done is we look at all of this stuff over and over and over again. And what we see is what we've known, right, for mm -hmm. a long time. And Brett comes in and he's like, but why? Why do you do it that way? 
Why is this? Why Quit is this? asking that right? question. You're driving me nuts. It's like, because, because the way we've always done it, uh, but it's been really good for us to really think that through. And I think that he will, uh, provide just a really good platform for everyone to feel like they can share some thoughts around things and new or older seasoned members Uh, (laughs) um, you know because we all have our biases Um, biases are often what we've lived with right Uh, and but our newer folks to ACB are coming in from a different lens than those that have been around for a long time. And tomorrow, I hope that the discussion will be um, available and uh, an opportunity for any member or anyone present really in the room to feel like they could share their thoughts, questions, concerns, ideas, and so on. So, Thank you. All right, so let's open it up. Board members, any questions for Cindy related to membership services? It's a very quiet group today. I know. I wonder if they're awake. Should we pinch them? (laughs) Uh, All right, everybody good? Okay, thank you, Cindy. Uh All right, Eric, back to you. All right, and we will hand it uh, off to our Chief Financial Officer, Nancy Becker. Good afternoon, everybody. So Cindy is looking in the future, and at this part, I am looking at the present with MMS. So right now, we are in the first part of the membership certification process. Each state and special interest affiliate membership records user has been doing a fabulous job of updating and adding their member information into the Affiliate Member Management System, or AMMS. March 15th, which is coming up real soon, is the last day to add new members during the initial process. And then Sharon will need about a week to process these requests. I was talking to Sharon this morning, and she said that she has done approximately a thousand updates this week alone. So mm. as we come into the the final four days, she's probably going to get that many. So we do need a little bit of extra time to um, process those requests. The affiliates will then have until May March 31st, not May 31st, March 31st, to submit their certification reports. Then starting May 1st, new members can be added and will be able to vote if they are added before the members of record date. Now, the members of record date originally provided to the membership records users is not correct because we will be starting the ACB's conference and convention earlier than we anticipated. So since the members of record date needs to be 30 days before the convention starts, it will be May 23rd this year, not the first to adjourn, but May 23rd. So if you get somebody added into ACB's AMMS by May 23rd, they can vote at the convention. In 2021, there was an increase in special interest affiliate and individual memberships. So I am happy to say that we are starting to trend up with members in these two areas. Um, Along with the scholarships awarded last year, there will be two additional scholarships this year. The Tech for All scholarship will be for $4,500, 
and is for a student majoring in science, technology, engineering, or mathematics. For many people, that's called STEM. The Bay State Council of the Blind Scholarship will be for $4,500, and the student needs to be a Massachusetts resident and can be a full-time or part-time student. The scholarship committee is starting their initial review of the 75 eligible applicants, and they are on schedule to, co- to contact the scholarship recipients in early May. And as we round into March and April, AACB will be having our 2021 financial information audited by Bergen KV- KDV again this year, and that will be the week of April 4th. We are in the process of providing documentation to the auditors to confirm the financial information presented on the income statement and balance sheet. I do anticipate that once again, ACB will have a clean audit. In 2021, ACB received funds from the Second Payment Protection Program, which is also known as PPP. These funds were used by ACB and ACBES for payroll rent, and utility expenditures. Early this year, we applied for forgiveness for the second PPP loans, and I'm happy to say in the last two weeks, we were notified that both of of these loans were forgiven in full. That is astounding, you guys, that we have gotten basically four PPP loans, and they have been forgiven in full. The cash was received in 2021 and is reported as a loan or liability on the balance sheet. Now that the loan has been forgiven, the revenue will be recognized on the income statement and the liability will be removed from the balance sheet. Um, The next item I'd like to talk about is ACB's investments. For 2021, the rate of return on the endowed and legacy investment accounts was above index or the benchmark and the reserve account was a little bit below. So the rate of returns for each one of these um, funds, so the reserve was 9.48%. The index was 10.07. For the endowed, our return was 10.77. The index was 9.3. For the legacy, it was 11.65. And for the index, it was 9.3. The um, the investment funds can be invested using a conservative, balanced, or aggressive profile. ACB's reserve and legacy funds were allocated using a balanced profile, and the endowed funds allocation was between a conservative and a balanced profile. So even though the reserve and the legacy funds are both balanced, pro- balanced profiles, the legacy fund rate of return was higher than the reserved fund, because the legacy funds allocations in equities, so like equity stocks was higher than the allocation in the reserve funds, which is higher in fixed income and cash. And then early this year, the investment committee reviewed our investment policy, and it was just recently signed by everybody. Um, second to the end here, on February 17th, David Trott requested that the board approve the withdrawal of up to 150000 from the reserve account to help ACB meet operating expenses. This was approved by the board members by email, but still needs to be ratified by the board. So far, $100,000 worth of investments have been sold. 
$50,000 of it was deposited into the operating account. And we are using that to meet expenses right now. And the remainder is in the investment cash account. So as of today, I've not taken that other 50000 out of the investment cash account. And then last, you guys, um, there is an annual conflict of interest document that each board member needs to complete. Nancy Christine will be providing you with a document through DocuSign. If you would like this provided in a different format, can you just please let me know and we will send it in whatever format you would like. Eric, back to you. Thank you, Nancy. I'm going to throw it over. First, I think we need to, uh, Ray, uh, this may be what you're going to state, but I think we we need to go ahead with David and you maybe and make a motion to ratify the uh, vote that was taken on email. So I'll give it to David maybe and then Ray to second and then we can discuss. That's fine. That's that's where I was going. Okay. So David, go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, I had something else too. I want to be on. Okay, sure, sure. Uh, I would move that we ratify the vote to move the 150000 uh or give Nancy access to the 150000 from the board. Authorized, Authorize. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll second that motion. Okay. Thank you, uh, David and Ray. Any discussion? All right. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Thank you for uh, for ratifying that. And uh, next, I will recognize David, who had a question or comment. Go ahead, David. Uh, yeah, I've got a little concern. You know, with all good news comes bad sometimes. So, uh, good news is we got two P- four PPP loans. They were all forgiven. Uh, the bad news now, guys, is there are no more. So, uh, we're going to have to look at ways to replace this money uh, to cover the expenses that they'll no longer cover. So as we go to looking at our one, three, and five-year strategic plan, uh, we're going to have to account for the fact that some of the monies that we we got that helped us through some lean times here, we really wasn't that lean. We, we, We did well. But anyway, we got them and we used them. So we need to start. Uh, having it in our mind that we got to look forward to uh, how we're going to replace this and also grow because we're going to need more money to meet the uh, uh, goals of the one, three, five-year plan. But especially think about the PPP loans, not only as good, it was great. It was great work by our staff getting the loans forgiven, but uh, now, now we got to look at what we're going to replace them with. Understand. So you kind of, I mean, just to hold the same revenue levels we have this year for next year, we're going to have to replace. I think in this year's budget, we had, what, 140 something thousand in for the PPP loan for, uh, for ACB. You know, I think we put the thrift stores in last year's plan, but, um, yep, that's, that's almost $150,000 that just to be equal to what we have in 2022 for 2023, we're going to have to, have that much more in development revenue. That's correct, David. Yep. Good point. Dan, this is Doug. Yeah, go ahead, Doug. I'm confused because the PPP was to cover when, uh, basically, mostly when the thrift stores were were closed because of the COVID crisis. Um, and 
that was my understanding of what the money was being um, requested for and what it was given for. So uh, now that the stores are open again and hopefully thriving and, and increasing sales and all that good stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm not sure I understand why da- why, why uh, David is bringing that up as a, as a concern for future uh, revenue I'll, since, since that revenue is, is being, you know, it should be, should be in the realm of what the the thrift stores provide for us. Well, I'll, I'll let uh, Nancy comment on that because we actually oh. applied for wow, two going. years two years of loans related to both the thrift store and to ACB as an entity. So, David, you want first, and then and then if then we can go to Nancy if if there's any yeah. clarification needed. So, go ahead, David. Yeah. Doug, there was four loans. Two was for ACBES and two was for ACB. Uh, the AC. The ACBES portion should take care of itself. You're correct. My concern is the the two loans that were to ACB, which that's the loans that were, if I remember correct, somewhere in the neighborhood of $150,000 each. Nancy? They were, um, the, the second one was about one hundred sixty for ACB, and the ACBES one was about $75,000. Mm-hmm. I can go back and look at the yeah. other one. And, and the way those loans were were kind of defined, if you kept your employees working and you kept compensating them during the COVID crisis, which ACB was able to do and continue to meet your payroll, then they first came out as a loan to help. And then if you demonstrated that you kept your um, your staff employed and 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 working during those times, then you met the criteria to be forgiven. Is that correct, Nancy? That That is correct. So the 2021 mm-hmm. was just to right. help everybody while everything was closed so that we could pay the employees so that they would have cash to meet living expenses. When 2021 came, we st- the economy still does, was not where it was supposed to be. So that's where the second ones come from. But I think part of what... Um, Doug, you may be referring to is there's a difference between the cash that we got to start out with and the income statement is where we need to recognize it. So we got the cash in 20 and 21, but we could not recognize it on the income statement until um, it was forgiven. So for this year, we are going to be putting the 160000 um in ACB's income statement and the other 75000 in ACBES's income statement. And what David is referring to is that we need to figure out a way to replace that to raise another $160,000 that will not be there on the income statement next year. And I do believe Tony has something, a plan that he is working on to replace that amount, if not more. And the other thing to think about is with our um, convention, we in 2020, we did have a lot of sponsors that did not sponsor the convention. Tony did a great do- job of continuing to keep the sponsors that we had last year, and he did get some new ones. I do know that he's still working on this, and he will probably get some new sponsors along with keeping the ones that we've had in the past. Does that answer the question, Doug? Yes, it does. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Good question, Doug. Any other questions for uh, Nancy slash David? We oh, got our I, treasurer sorry, and a, our CFO. A, yeah. So, sorry, as, yeah. A, as a follow up. Um, yeah. 
was the forgiveness of the two loans that are being um, booked this year. Mm-hmm. Um, was was that part of our the budget that we passed in des- in December? The ACB um, forgiveness is in this year's is in twenty twenty two. I had thought that we were going to get ACBESs forgiven in 2021, so that one is not included, but it will be on our income statement this year. Okay. Right, but did not make it in the final numbers for 2021 last year. Correct. So, but in either case, even though we get to recognize the income, the cash arrived for us last year. So- there's income, but no cash to go along with it, which is kind of an accounting term, but important to, to know. And that, this is part of the shortfall of why we needed the uh, the reserve money until the kind of the sponsor and other type of income starts rolling into ACB, uh, which happens more in the March-April timeframe. Thank you. Sure. Any other questions for Nancy? All right. Well, I just want to um thank our staff for a um, wonderful uh set of reports and updates and i want to thank eric and team uh, for all of their hard work uh this has been a uh, as as i think all times are here recently but it's been uh, a very challenging time with different uh employees transitioning in and out during the first quarter as well as Kelly uh, having to uh, not having, but uh, you know needing to go on maternity leave, and uh, the flexibility that everybody has demonstrated to keep the ship uh, moving in the right direction, so to speak. Uh, I just want to thank Eric and his team, and I'd ask for a motion to approve the Ray staff report. Ray will reports. move that motion. Thank Kim you, Ray, second. and Kim will second. So Ray moves and Kim second to approve the staff reports. All those in favor, um, signify one, by one item of discussion. Yeah. Oh, Dan, sure, please. Real quick, as yeah, just, sure. just two quick points. One is, uh, thank you for the org chart. That was really helpful to get a real nice picture of who reports to who and kind of how everything lays out. And I'm just, uh, and Eric, you kind of alluded to it. I'm just happy we're big enough to have an org chart uh, now uh, in our staff. So thank you for for putting that together. It was uh, very very helpful. Um, the second thing is I'm really pleased to see the advisory board working in collaboration with the uh, staff the way that it is. I, 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 and, and that I, I'm, I, I can't speak for Mitch, but I'm sure that that is the vision he had for the advisory board when it was uh, passed as part of our constitution a few years back that uh, it would not only it would be a group that could work with us and bring us a lot of new ideas. And I'm looking forward to meeting them this weekend. Fantastic. Thank you, Ray. Mr. Any, President, just a quick yes. question. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. And maybe this is a Nancy question or, or a David question. Um, as a sad outgrowth of having to lose and replace employees, will there be some kind of a minor budget savings that that accrues from this or is it just going to be a wash? I will say there probably is going to be a small savings. It's just all, it all depends on um, the wages that we are going to be hiring the new people at. Okay. So it could be just a wash. Right. 
Thank you. This is Doug. As a logistical question, did anybody else have trouble finding the uh, board documents on Dropbox? Because I went into Dropbox and I went into 2022 and I found the January 16th folder, but I couldn't find the folder for this meeting. And I, I was wondering if anybody else had trouble or if it's my problem. Nope, didn't have any issues. Yeah, I, I found them. Okay, good. Doug, could it, are you at your limit or anything with Dropbox? Could that have anything to do with it? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Notice I'm being real quiet with any technical stuff here. There, that's not my answer, yes. Uh, so we have a few board members that could probably reach out and give you some assistance there. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but uh, good question, Doug. Don't, uh, you know. So, all right. Well, it is now four wait, o'clock. Wait, wait. I think oh, we, oh, I need think to we, vote we, we need we to go need ahead to and make a motion. The, uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, we, that's right. We, we, we had discussion, but we didn't vote. Yes. Right. Any more discussion? All right. Hearing none. All those in favor of approving the staff report signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right, we're going to sneak another quick break in. So we'll be back at 4.15 Eastern. So 4.15, we'll be back for the final uh, stretch run. So thanks, everybody.